A headline in a Variety article from last week, how Skinamarink, a $15,000 horror movie, became the Internet's new cult obsession. Describes it as a micro-budget horror feature that has been haunting the Internet after a few key festival screenings. A savvy blend of traditional narrative and art film, Skinamarink is much more focused on atmosphere and sound design than actors or a dense mythology. With visuals that combine David Lynch's lo-fi style from Inland Empire with the aesthetic of a dusty 70s family movie pulled from the attic, it's a claustrophobic hallucination that blends the scariest ideas from childhood into a dreamy, dreadful experience. Currently sitting at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Eight reviews. Some are pretty interesting. Uh, This one says, this is quite plainly the scariest movie I've seen in a very, very long time. Another one says it's difficult to describe just as it's very, very difficult to forget. Well, this film was made in Edmonton, as mentioned, on a budget of $15,000 by Edmonton filmmaker, and this is his first feature film, Kyle Edward Ball, who joins us on the line here this morning. Kyle, great to have you with us here. Congrats on this. Uh, Like I say, it's getting a lot of attention, but uh, great to have you with us here. Welcome to the program. For sure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Uh, just first of all, as you take uh, this in, the buzz, the attention, the reviews uh, that, that you're getting already, um, I, I don't know, what do you make of it all? Um, it's been it's been a whirlwind. Um, ever since we premiered this past summer at Fantasia in Montreal, there's like there's definitely been some dips, but it's it's been a pretty steady upward trajectory. And ever since the variety press release about the shutter acquisition it's just been it's just been up up and up yeah no kidding so you've been at some film festivals there's going to be a wider release uh, coming up in in the new year but uh, you mentioned shutter so this is a, a streaming service so w- where next for this this film and uh, you know where where it's going to be shown and screened yeah for sure so we're going to have a fairly substantial theatrical release on January 13th, so less than a month away, which happens to be Friday the 13th, mm-hmm. so that's pretty <laughs> neat. And um, we're going to be playing in theaters across the United States in what appears to be almost every state, including Hawaii and Guam. And we're going to have a hefty release in Canada, so Vancouver, Edmonton, Calgary. I think we have a few theaters in Saskatchewan that may be confirming, and then across Ontario and, um, of course, in Montreal. And we will also be playing in the other Shutter territories, which are the UK, New Zealand, and Australia. Although in those countries, I think it may just be a couple screens, unfortunately. Well, still, yeah, that that's quite something. So, let's talk about the film. First of all, the title. When I hear "Skin and Marink," I think of the the kids' song with the Sharon Lewis and Brown mm-hmm. song. I think is is that where the title comes from? Uh, so yes and no. Um, it's I wanted a title that um, kind of felt personal to me, but also I think would be personal to others. That was kind of like an earworm that would stick in your head, right? and and was memorable but also kind of nonsense right mm-hmm. and originally it was just a working title i thought okay eventually i'll come up with a better title than skinnamarink <laughs> and here we are today <laughs> now from what i understand too and what, I, what i've read in some of these articles that you've kind of had a fascination with the idea of of nightmares that which scares us so talk about how you know your your work previously sort of led to to this first film of yours yeah yeah for sure 
So in about 2016, 2017, I started a little YouTube channel where people would comment nightmares they'd have, and mm-hmm. I would recreate them. And through that, I developed a style. I learned what I was good at. I learned what I was bad at. And kind of by accident, I was also very privy to what people found scary, or at least what their subconscious thought they would find scary, and segued that into the movie. So fifteen thousand uh, dollars—it costs to make this film, which is is pretty low budget. I mean, you know, you think of some big Hollywood productions by comparison, but still, for a first-time filmmaker, fifteen grand is a lot of money. Yeah, yeah, um, it it was, but I, it was not as difficult as people would think to raise them money if you have a a huge community of filmmaker friends who are excited to see oh i wonder what kyle will will make as his first movie like people were um much more generous than than i would have ever thought and i had something again more valuable than than money which was like a, a community of friends and filmmakers and even like my parents let me film the entire movie in their house yeah. so I which which you can't put a price on that as corny as it sounds, but right. And your parents, your childhood house—that's in Edmonton, correct? Yeah. Did you feel like maybe if you're going to do something like this or or do this kind of thing that maybe you'd need to leave Edmonton or leave Alberta or leave Canada? But what are your thoughts on on the challenges of you know being a filmmaker, making feature films, and and being here? Well, I I had gotten advice on this for years since I since I um, was at film school at, at Nate in Edmonton where a lot of directors would say, you know, look, if you want to be an actor or this or that in the industry, you should probably move to one of the major markets like Vancouver or Los Angeles or even mm-hmm. Toronto. But if you're a director, you can basically live every, anywhere you want and the only stipulation would be Maybe at some point you have to travel to the UK or California or British Columbia for a month to shoot something and then head back. So I haven't had actually that much pressure even in the last couple of months from people saying, hey, when are you going to move to Los Angeles? Because for directors, it's a, it's a tiny bit different. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting when it comes to the horror genre, and you think about movies over the years that have sort of redefined the genre, sort of taken things in another direction. I know people are drawing the comparison or the parallel between your film and, you know, the Blair Witch Project. And, you know, and look, in fairness, that was, you know, something that came out of nowhere, became a huge hit and led to a lot of copycats. But it it was something original. It was something that people hadn't seen before. And it kind of feels like maybe that's what you're doing here. How, how do you see this film, how it fits into the genre and, and kind of what you're trying to do differently? Yeah. Um, I would say like the comparisons on top of being incredibly flattering <laughs> are, 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 are reasonably accurate to compare to the Blair Witch project as far as trajectory. Um, I, I would hope that we would have a response similar to the Blair Witch Project. I don't know if it's going to be quite that big, mm-hmm. and I don't know if we're going to, like, Blair Witch Project essentially uh, skyrocketed a whole new subgenre called found footage. I don't know if I'm Skinner Marink is quite going to do that in the zeitgeist, but 
Regardless, I will take the comparisons because the Blair Witch Project happens to be one of my comfort films. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I mean, it was a different era then, too, obviously, you know, for, for films and, you know, the idea that, you know, at the time, even with the Internet, you could sort of trick people into thinking, is it really found footage? Like, people didn't really know what this was. So, yeah, things are a little different in, in this era, and that, that's a good thing in some ways, too. So, in terms of the story here, and obviously this is a film that sort of plays on, you know, this childhood fears and those, those nightmares we had as kids that kind of still, you know, trouble us today or disturb us today. So there is that element to the story, obviously. What, what, or how would you describe it or what can you tell us or would want to tell us uh, about the, uh, the, the, the film? Okay, so I'll just basically give a, a short, reasonable synopsis. The movie is about two small children. One of them's four, the other one's six. And one night they wake up in their house to discover that their dad is gone and all the windows and doors have disappeared. Um, They chill out for a bit in the hopes that eventually some grown-ups are going to come to save them or things will go back to normal. And uh, things don't go back to normal and strange stuff continues to happen. I will say the movie's a bit odd to watch um of its 100 minute runtime you actually only see people on screen for 10 minutes of it and the rest is just dialogue um given off screen or things that are implied but if you're adventurous and want to be scared (laughs) and just let the movie happen. I promise it's a it's a terrifying experience. Yeah. So then the the, the kids who play the characters, this would not be a film for them. Uh, well, um, <laughs> or have so they, they seen it? Uh, so the young, so they haven't seen it yet. Um, the young man who plays Kevin, I don't know if it's quite age appropriate for him. And even if it hypothetically was, I don't. I I, I think he's somewhat disinterested in. In the movie, like, I could be wrong about that, but I think he's more concerned about Fortnite and, and Roblox and stuff like that. <laughs> and um, the girl, though, um, who played Kaylee, her name's Dolly, um, she's eight years old and is already fairly, like, starting to get into horror movies by osmosis because, of course, her mom's a big horror fan. And I don't know if technically the movie is quite age-appropriate, <laughs> but... I have a feeling she's going to see it sooner or later, and and I think she's maybe mature enough to at least attempt to watch at it. So I think she may see it. And I will say, the movie's scary, but there's certainly nothing... It's not like jump, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, there's no, yeah. It's not the gore of, you know, like... Friday the 13th or that kind no, of thing. No, Very of different kind of horror, yeah. Yeah, there's not even any profanity, right? Oh, so there you I, go. Yeah. yeah, but that's up to her mother to decide. <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, I, I did want to touch on something, too, because obviously as big a moment as this has been for you, this has been a, a difficult process in a different way. Your assistant director, uh, Joshua Bookhalter, this film is dedicated to him. He, he passed away, I believe, while the film was being made or just after the film had been completed, just a thought from you on trying to navigate that tragedy amid this this kind of triumph here. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, my friend and assistant director, Joshua, um, passed away shortly after we finished filming the film. And it, it has been incredibly difficult 
Um, obviously not as difficult as it has been for his family um, or maybe people who knew him longer. Um, I would like to think that if he were alive today, he would be proud and he would be happy um, to see to see the movie. And um, seeing the response it's gotten as of late has has um, made me um, stronger in that feeling that he would be happy and proud. And yeah, I, I miss him every day, but I, yeah. Absolutely. Well, the film is called Skin of a Rink. Uh, the very creepy trailer uh, has been released. As mentioned, a theatrical release coming next month. Uh, sits at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, and a lot of buzz is mentioned uh, around this film for good reason by the sounds of it. Uh, Kyle Edward Ball, congrats on this. And uh, again, great talking to you today. Thanks so much for making some time for us. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think French fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.